<clears throat> yeah, I went too far with that. He got upset, boy, in the Bro, live. in the group chat. I mean, that's fine, that's okay. dude. Dude, that's good. the. Do you ever think about this intro and just how this is the worst part of every show? <laughs> I was thinking about it today as I was walking out to my car. I was like, "What are we going to do for an intro?" And this is like episode twenty-six, and it's just like it's always just. Or you could just play the. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. So keep the political commentary to yourself, or as someone once said, "Shut up and scribble." Time to shut up and diddle, baby. Who's Gentlemen. diddling today? How's the week been, Taylor? Like, what do you mean, how's the week been? How's it been? Training? It's been coaching. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday is what it's been. Okay. Dang, are you down bad, bro? Am I what? Are you down bad? Am I, what does that mean? Is that a hip thing? Is that Trendy King? That was Trendy King a couple years ago, but down bad, like, you down on yourself. No, down it's bad. It's been a good week. Training's yeah. been good. Workout's been good. Well, you've been in the gym? I have actually every day. Wow. For the Love past it. two weeks. It's been kind of a stressful week for me. Four? Why? I don't know. Like, see, usually I have it set up where my affiliate dues and then like my insurance that I pay to the gym kind of hits at the same time. And my insurance this year was more than my affiliate dues. Really? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I'll tell you what I'm going to do next year, though. I'm going to call Patrick Mitrovich, State Farm Insurance. <laughs> if you're located in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia, you're looking to save money on your personal or business insurance, call or send Patrick an email. He's an awesome dude. He's the first sponsor of Shut Up and Scribble. Patrick at sfpatrick.com. Again, that's Patrick at sfpatrick.com. 803-818-6980. One more time. That's 803-818-6980. Give Patrick a call. Great dude. Been in the CrossFit space since 2011, most of which has been wow. in a coaching role, which is really cool. And uh, yeah, he's our show's first sponsor. We need more of you guys. If you're interested in looking to grow your business, climb with Suez. Hit us up. Shut up and scribble Instagram account or one of our personal accounts. You'll see him up on the screen. And Rambler, if you star 69, Patrick, I'm coming for you in the comments, baby. Okay. <laughs> watch it. Hey, actually, I, you know, I bought a new house and, you know, I had to bundle my home and auto assurance with State Farm. I did. It was easy. Called him up and uh, said, hey, I'm buying. Yeah, I called Jake directly. <clears throat> Reserved a spot in his Google calendar. He said it was full, but because he has a family and you know life, but uh, made time for me. Called him up, bundled that home and auto, got a discount. It was easy. Now I just log in my State Farm app, just set on auto pay. I just check in every once in a while, make sure that you know. I'm about set to it on auto pay because yeah, because no he's rolling in it, baby. baby. <laughs> I don't even check the in and out. Can you actually mute people in the chat? Yeah. I didn't realize that was a thing. Oh, man. Well, I guess so today on Shut Up and Scribble, we're going to get a little bit into how I program for Crash. 
just kind of my weekly process. And then since we've been privy to some uh, insider info on some of these Dubai events, we'll go on over to their Instagram page, roll through them, talk about some details that maybe haven't been released that um, are now publicized, at least to some people, and uh, break down that programming a little bit. You want to take a look at your whiteboard? Yeah, we can do that. Right, let, let's. Can we actually start off with the um, kind of some bullet points? Yeah, from the, the Google Doc? Yep. Well, you have those. Am I supposed to? Sheesh, Louise. Did I share that with you, Will? Probably. No. So essentially, for those people who are just listening, we're going to get this up on the screen. Um, first and foremost, and Taylor talked about this last week, is – I program for my population. I program for my members. I don't program uh, for someone that I don't know that lives in Italy or lives in California or lives in South Africa. I program for the people who I know are coming to do the workouts five to six to seven days a week. To me, that's the most important thing that a gym programmer can do, right? So you look at what you have, you look at their needs, you look at, listen to their goals, you pay attention to some of their wants and I'll get into that a little bit too, but you program for those people, right? So I've got people at Jason's level who do the class workouts weekly. And then I've got people who haven't worked out in 20 or 25 years and they're coming in, they're overweight. They're trying to get off medications. They're trying to get healthy for, for life. So the range is huge at crash. Um, but over time I've, I've, I've listened to, um, lots of feedback, been willing to change. And I think that's the, the biggest lesson I've learned as far as programming for the gym goes is that um, like five years ago, no one had kids. And now we've probably got like 25 or 30 kids five years or younger. So a lot of the goals of those parents, a lot of the time that they can allocate to training, a lot of that has, uh, has changed significantly. So being able to adjust as I go has been a really big thing. Um, we'll start with goals. Right. So okay. prioritize needs over wants. And, uh, you know, I usually tell people if there's something you don't want to do, it's probably the thing that you need to do. And I kind of take that upon myself, listening to the oh so positive feedback I get from my members week to week about things that they didn't like or things that they did like. Usually the things that they did not like are things that I'll just continue to program. Um, varying goals. And then most importantly, safe, hard, and long. And long being quotation marks. I always want to keep the members safe. I never want to jeopardize them into an injury scenario. Um, I want it to be hard. I would say if there's a general consensus that crash is that they like to grind. They want to do hard workouts, which makes it easier on me from a programming standpoint because they want the challenge. They want to be pushed and they want to get done with every session feeling like they did something. And then long Taylor can attest to this too. I think uh, my general programming bias for my affiliate is longer time domain workouts. It really that long also means for longevity. So I want to program things that I know is not going to beat their body down over the years to where they can keep doing CrossFit as old as they get and as long as they want to. Just, just an FYI, this uh, formatting, this is my handiwork. So if it looks super professional and not like a third grade school project, you're welcome. <laughs> White background, black letters, can, couldn't be easier, dude. And uh, 
since Taylor went last week, kind of gives me the opportunity to compare our styles and like how he works with another person. I don't work with anyone. So that's a huge difference in the two of us. Um, they have like a huge list of like all the movements they can think of. And they kind of look week to week and be like, okay, which of these movements did we do this week? All right, cool. Let's make sure variance stays a really high priority. Let's hit these movements the next week. And it's just, it's a very systematic approach with that, which I think is really cool and something I may steal. Cause I know in programming, there's movements that I don't hit as often and I'll just kind of forget about them. And then I'll come back to them. And a lot of the members will say, dude, it's been forever since we just did good old fashioned kettlebell swings. I'm glad that we did those. It really lit up my grip. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I could probably get too caught up in kettlebell stuff or uh, I'm sorry, in dumbbell stuff or barbell work or sandbag work. And I just forget, hey, like some of those really old school grassroots CrossFit movements can be the best. So weekly checklist, I, I kind of just have about 10 things that are non-negotiables for me from a programming standpoint. The schedule of the week, I always program partner workouts Wednesday and Saturday. I know there are gyms that don't do partner workouts at all. Their programmers just don't like them or their members don't like them. It's something that I found years and years ago, actually encourage people to put out more effort, having someone looking at you, waiting on you to go. If me and Taylor are doing a workout back and forth and we're going to go every five power snatches and we're going to do 100 power snatches for time, I will rest a lot longer doing 50 for time than I will doing a hundred with Taylor because when he's done and he's staring at me, I have no excuse to rest when I'm doing it by myself. I can rest as long as I want. That pressure's not there. So just that simple, Hey, I'm willing to push myself harder for someone else than I'm willing to push myself just for me really stuck early on. And I've been programming two partner workouts a week for years and years. Um, eventually that may change, but every Wednesday and Saturday is partner. So I take that into account partner workouts in nature tend to be a little longer and you usually will get some kind of a work to rest ratio. Um, trunk. So I program midline stuff a lot. And there are people back, well, if you deadlift and you squat and you go overhead and you do overhead stability, you're, you're always hitting the trunk. That's true. I'm just saying this from a standpoint of trunk flexion movements, whether it be static like a L sit, but more often, at crash, GHD sit-ups, toes-to-bar, um, sit-ups, any any of that stuff, I usually will hit that multiple times a week. So a lot of trunk work. Sled work, I'm lucky enough to have a 60-foot, um, six-lane uh, six or so. I can make it eight sometimes, turf, and a bunch of dog sleds. So we do a lot of sled work. Pushing, dragging, reverse dragging, hand-over-hand, all different sled variations. I've found that the more sled work that we've done, the less often I hear about hip and knee injuries in the gym. And I think that's huge, especially with the amount of squatting, the amount of lunging, stuff like that, that people do loading the body sled work, only concentric. It hurts so bad. You can do it light. You can do it heavy. It's just a ton of variations. And it's something that I've found a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, carryover in like myself, not squatting super heavy two or three times a week. But if I push a heavy sled a couple times a week, I can maintain a lot of leg strength. So uh, skills, uh, lots of high skill work week to week. Uh, something that I think having a lot of competitors in the gym, it's something that they want to stay sharp on. So seeing muscle up variations, seeing rope climb variations, 
Um, all that kind of stuff is there weekly. A strict push and a pull. We're going to do some kind of strict pressing, whether it be dips, push-ups, bench press, shoulder press. There's going to be something strict, handstand push-up, whether it's loaded or unloaded, and then some kind of strict pull every single week. A strict pull-up variation, legless rope climb, hand-over-hand sled. There's always going to be some kind of strict push and pull. And then I would say odd objects are a big focal point. I try not to overdo the barbell. Again, this is just from experience. A lot of the people that had nagging backs, nagging shoulders, the general consensus was, hey, if I lift heavy and I do barbell cycling and workouts more than two or three days a week, it's going to beat me up. And I want to be able to train five to six days a week. So I listen to that and we do a lot more sandbag, dumbbell, stuff like that. Um, heavy. I try to go heavy twice a week. The sample programming week that I did had two um, heavier lifting sessions. They both happen to be Olympic weightlifting and we'll get into that. So a snatch day and a clean day, but in general, and I've talked about this on another show. Usually if I'm doing some kind of progression linear or, or not, we'll go like six to eight weeks. I'll pick two days, generally Monday and Tuesday or Monday and Friday so that people know what days they're going to get that strength work. A lot of people have a goal of getting stronger and like that linear progression. I would like to just do it randomized all the time. But yeah, sometimes just listening to what people like, listening to what people want um, is kind of the way that I've gone about it. And then we'll switch it up every six to eight weeks. So if we're doing some power lifting, like, and we're squatting and we're doing uh, overhead press, then the next time it comes around, we may do power clean and uh, overhead squat or something like that. So, and then lastly, pace intervals. Because of the schedule, Wednesday partner, Saturday partner, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday tend to be pretty aggressive. And there tends to be by Thursday, a lot of people who are moving a little slower, don't really have the juice that they do on the earlier days of the week and still want to come in and train. So typically you'll see a Thursday look a little bit more like cyclical, um, maybe some skill work. Like today there was handstand walk, double under, box jump over and bench press, right? So there was a good bit of um, bounding most weeks is more so machine work, which we'll see in the sample week that I wrote out. But generally, you'll get that on a Thursday. So pace intervals, lots of time on Thursdays uh, just for people to work on their aerobic base, but also uh, for them to kind of use as like today on .com, Michelle programmed rest day or swim intervals. So kind of in that same way. Taylor, say something. Um, well, I was going to say something initially and, ah, the odd, uh, well, do you ever, do you ever take into account your odd object as one of your heavy days per week or is it typically barbell Olympic and do you Olympic lift in both snatch and clean and jerk every week? Like, Those is that one questions. of your 10 things? Yeah. I'll, I'll answer the last one first. No. Um, the sample week that I did. I'm basing that off of one of the eight benchmark tests that the classes did this week. And on Monday, they did like a double T, double DT variant. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of them are going to want to work on that barbell cycling in all capacities, whether it be a strength capacity or conditioning capacity for the next six months. So I was just like, okay, we'll give them some complex work, complex work. And I just chose to do it on Monday and Friday. But no, a lot of times if we're doing heavy days with barbells, it is not Olympic. Typically, the weightlifting, you'll see more so in the conditioning. Um, like 
even if it's something like uh let's well, say let's say every five minutes for five sets uh 400 meter run five deadlift and every round you have to go up on your deadlift and you have to end at your five rep max for the day so that's a way to like get a heavy day in but put something in front of it with interference to get the heart rate up but simple answer no we don't heavy olympic lift weekly but you we do will do snatch or clean and jerk with a barbell in some form whether it's light uh like if we do dumbbell snatch one day um then more than i'm not going to feel pressured to program barbell snatch later Copy. In the week. Copy. No. okay yeah i would say the movement pattern gets hit for sure but if uh if we do kettlebell clean and jerks then i'm not going to freak out if they don't have a barbell in the front rack. gotcha, gotcha. for sure yeah and um yeah so there are days there are days that I've said, you know, every minute on the minute for five minutes, 60 foot sled push as heavy as possible. A, A, H, A, P. And like that, I'm treating that like, no, this is for, this is heavy day. This heavy is day. not, yep. this is not for conditioning. So I, I want you to challenge yourself to be able to do the 60 foot unbroken every time for five minutes. So I do that occasionally, but typical, the heavy days are with uh, barbell or dumbbell. Do you see this? <laughs> Everyone say hi to Chun Young. Chun Young. <laughs> Love you, Chun. He hates me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Golly. All right, cool. So, yeah, we'll get into the week. Uh, so, Taylor actually used two weeks that he and Andy programmed out, which was probably a better idea because I just sat down and, and wrote out a week that I hadn't used before. It's kind of a weird time right now because we just started those eight benchmarks. We're going to do those every Monday and Tuesday for the next month. And I will program around those tests for the remainder of the week. Typically what I do is I program Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday out. And then by Wednesday, I see how I feel. I do all the class workouts. I think it's important that gym owners do what they um, dose out to other people. If I want to make changes for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that's what I do. So I'll typically make the workouts 100% Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I'll just have movements written down that I'd like to do, mm -hmm. but let's just say that, um, let's say I have sled work tomorrow and today we did a lot of bounding and uh, people are like, dude, my calves are like that DT workout that we did. My calves were sore from that, just from getting to extension so much. And then we did the bounding today. Well, then maybe I'll change the run for tomorrow to a different machine. So I think that is important to have that wiggle room. So I will not write out typically six days in a row and just say, this is what it's going to be. And it cannot change. And the members get their workout the night before I used to use Wattify. Um, people used to put in their scores. People were super competitive. That kind of went away. So I really didn't have a need to use that anymore. And, uh, I don't really like the idea of telling them the workout when they get there. I do think for some people in their schedules, especially parents where they know they can't train on certain days, then like giving them the workouts all in advance, I would just have a ton of people being like, Hey, well, I'm, I'm actually going to do Friday's workout today, even though it's Tuesday because I'm not going to be here. And then if you get too caught up in that, no one's doing the class and everyone's doing a workout right. from later in the week. So. I love how, before you start, I love how Monday and Friday's lifting mirror one another just for the different, olympic variation i do that on smtp a lot like if i have a clean and jerk or a snatch technique day I, I like to mirror it it's just it's really cool so i fuck with that 
Cool. Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, and I'm going to try not to forget some people aren't going to be able to watch this. So, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday are up on the whiteboard right now. I'm going to start with Monday, try not to jump around too much. And uh, I'll go through each day, kind of what I thought about when I wrote it. And then I'll let Taylor kind of um, give some feedback, ask some questions, stuff like that. Like we did last week. So, for the strength work, every 90 seconds for eight sets, snatch pull hang power snatch. And I would tell them that that needed to be below the knee overhead squat. And then I have written underneath across, meaning they need to pick one weight and use it across all eight sets. So a lot of times I will not use percentages. I'll either give them instruction like a moderately heavy weight, um, heavy weight for the day. But generally whenever we Olympic lift, I really, really try to stress quality over quantity that goes for reps and load. So I will tell people, hey, the goal is 24 for 24. So all 24 reps that you see on the screen, there are no misses, right? Because I think getting people used to failing reps is what helped me back a lot in my weightlifting early on. Mm -hmm. And there's just, gosh, I can't stress enough how important it is to get the movement pattern grooved. Because when you do that and you move well, the weight just adds up a lot easier. And then after that, this workout is basically Randy. So for time, 75 power snatches at 75 and 55, and it's two minute on, one minute off. So you'll buy in with 15 or 12 calories on the ski erg. Then you'll do 15 GHD sit-ups, and with the remainder of the two minutes, max reps on the snatches. And let's say you get 25 on interval one, you'll rest a minute and then restart on the ski with 50 reps left on the snatch. And then I have a cap of 14 minutes, which is five intervals on this. So on average, you're going to have to be getting 15 an interval if uh let's say if some guy similar to me how would you even with a cap you'd scale this do you yeah, offer so what, scaling options or do you just kind of do it by person sure and no we we would give several scaling options before like during the brief and what i would tell people on this workout specifically is Hey, you need time for the snatch. The snatch is not a load dependent thing today. It's very light. Everyone can do it. But if you don't have time, you can't get reps. So what I would tell people is, hey, the ski erg needs to be done under a minute. The GHDs need to be done in 30 seconds. That gives you 30 seconds. The transitions we would set up would be really close together. So that gives you 30 seconds to do snatches the snatches need to be done unbroken. You need to try to hold on for chunks and not do singles. So um, someone starting out, I mean, 75 power, 75 GHDs is the maximum amount they're going to get. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is probably the lowest number of GHD setups I'll ever program in a workout. Unless it was like a chunk of 50. In a row. It was in a chipper or something. It's going to be upwards of 75 to 100. So I would... Definitely tell people where you should probably scale time-wise is going to be on the skier, unless it was a brand new person, and then I would not have them doing full range of motion GHDs on the first day. What do you why say do you, to some? Why do you do that with GHDs? Um, I have found that until they really know how to do them correctly, it does set some people up, especially for some weird low back um, funkiness, or maybe for abdo. So. Um, I usually will I usually will have them still get on the apparatus and do GHD setups to parallel. So they'll go to parallel with a soft knee. They'll still fire the hip flexors and come up and touch the pad. 
but I'll let them add range of motion as they prove that they can do that correctly. And but saying? also, why is the like you said, this is probably the lowest volume of GHGs you'd program? Why? Uh, because of the intensity okay. here. So this two minutes on, one minute off, this is going to be a maximum time worked of 10 minutes with rest. But for a lot, I mean, there are people in, in the gym that are going to get this done in, I would say, f probably four. I doubt anyone's going to do it in three. But they're going to be people doing it in four and going to be like on the floor afterwards. So this is a really high um, intensity day. It's more of a sprint interval type day versus like a pacing interval that I talked about earlier. So because the intensity is high, the volume does not need to be super high. What do you say to people that are like, oh, my God, GHDs are like, oh, if I weren't competing, I'd never do them or they're bad for you? Uh, no, I mean, that's interesting. I, I don't know if, if athletes have a bad experience with them, um, like kind of causing them some discomfort and being able to recover from that. Or if people just think that the extreme, you know, flexion and but like you shouldn't just, be an extreme flexion and hyperextension. Sorry, hyperextension. Thank you. Right. Um, it's just, it's just bad for you. It's just, it's not, it's not a position that your body should was made to be in. You should be prone on the apparatus using it for hamstring and glute development and not supine doing sit-ups. I think a lot of people maybe just think of it that way, that you're kind of bastardizing the, the apparatus based on the way we use it. Why do you think so, they think that? I don't know. I think they don't know how to do them correctly. GHDs are safe if you do them right. So, do you want to take a look at this comment from Mustard Gene CrossFit before we continue on? Can you, can you talk about how you run your warm ups? I feel like that part of class can get repetitive, and our more veteran elite athletes roll their eyes going over the snatch progressions every week. Yeah, this is a really good question. So, for a for a day like this, and for Friday, there'll be a general warm up on the board that's briefed, and then. We'll probably tell people, hey, in about 10 minutes, we're all going to get an empty barbell and we're gone and we're going to do an empty barbell warm up. And that may be anything from behind the neck strict presses to good mornings to Kazakh squats to whatever. But I do want to make sure, especially when it gets colder outside, that people do get some reps in before they start adding weight to the bar. You know how people are. The colder it gets, the less they want to warm up sometimes and they'll just start putting weight on the bar and then they'll get hurt. So and then you have, then you have to take out a, a higher insurance policy. Sure. Absolutely. Patrick will be working overtime. <laughs> um, so yeah, if it's something like this is a really good question. There's definitely an empty barbell warm up program that the coach will lead. Yeah. You ready to go to Tuesday? Can I address one thing? Sure. If you are set up correctly on the GHT, you're not going into extreme hyper extension extension of your spine. You're going into maybe some degree of extension and at the top, some degree of flexion. But if you do them properly, really your abs are used to stabilize your spine and your hip flexors are where your all the range of motion is coming from. That's why they tell you to set your butt up on the back edge of the pad so that you don't reach a severe degree of hyperextension. And that's why people who sit their fucking stupid butts all the way at the front of the pad bastardize the movement and blow their backs out. All right. Yeah, GHD definitely a polarizing uh, movement. I would say just as much as like a kipping pull-up. I love them. All right. So on Tuesday, um, this is just a conditioning day. AMRAPs, something I didn't say when I had principles up on the board. I will generally program for time over AMRAP always. 
I found that AMRAPs just tend to be a way out and people mm-hmm. just get saved by the clock. And so they'll just keep watching the clock, keep watching the clock. Okay, I'm going to be done. I would rather program an aggressive time cap any day of the week than an AMRAP because even though people know they may not have the fitness to finish it, there's something about having work to do that you didn't get done that bothers you as an athlete that kind of frustrates you to the point where you'll actually push to get more of that work done. And that's just something like psychosocial that I've noticed over the years. So um, on this day, though, two seven-minute AMRAPs back-to-back, one-to-one rest. This is really important. Not taking into account the partner workouts, there will be one day a week of one-to-one. So the same number of time work as the same rest interval. I think that's really important for people to be able to go hard, rest the amount of time they worked, go hard again. All right, so that repeatability within the same workout. So this one is a seven-minute AMRAP, 28 drag rope double-unders, 14 feedback step-ups, and that is 70 and 50 to a 24 and a 20. Seven-minute rest, and then another seven-minute AMRAP, 21 box jump overs with a step-down requirement at 24 inches and 20, and then 21 wall balls. So a lot of times I'll have the females and the males use the same height box. It just depends on the stimulus of the workout. I'm not just doing it because I feel like being mean that day. Today, in this workout, the females are going to have a harder time doing the 10-foot target with the 14-pound ball. So I thought that just to kind of balance it out the time-wise a little bit, keeping their box 20 inches with the, was the right call. So, so yeah, what you have here is like a bounding day, and then you've got a leg day with it, right? So you've got a single leg movement with the step up, and then... 21 wall balls. And when I wrote this workout, I'm thinking that there are going to be people who can get five rounds on both. I love the AMRAP seven rest three AMRAP seven. You did that at crucible in 2021. Um, That's like my favorite way to program an AMRAP. And my least favorite style of workout is like 18 to 25 minute AMRAP. I just hate long AMRAPs. I think personally, they are the hardest forms of workouts to get like max intensity, a longer AMRAP. Sure. Like you said, it's just a way out. And I don't, I think there's a place for them, like maybe one to two times a month or in competition, like, you know, opens pretty classic to have like a long AMRAP. And I don't, you know, I'm can do very well at getting like, you know, good intensity in the open, but I just, right. Yeah, and I think usually for classes, a seven on, three off, seven on is you're just asking for people in the first seven minutes to sandbag yeah, because they know that the three minutes is going to go by fast yeah, and then you're going to want them to put out hard again. And it's an easier way for me to govern intensity if I give them that one-to-one. Like today was every minute on the minute for 10 minutes, rest 10 minutes, and then every minute on the minute for 10 minutes. So they could really get after it on the first one, knowing that, they would be recovered. All right, Wednesday. So this is a this is a format that I don't see many people use. And for programmers out there, I think it's it's pretty clever. But you do an every minute on the minute with a work requirement for two people within the minute. So this workout reads as every minute on the minute for 30 minutes. So 10 rounds. Minute one, four rope climbs. Minute two, 20 dumbbell bench. Minute three, 40 yard sled. On the odd rounds around so one three five seven and nine you're going to push the sled so like in our gym the turf is 20 yards i would push it down will would push it back within the same minute and then on the even rounds two four six eight i would reverse 
drag the sled. So walk backwards with straps, 20 yards, and then Will would drag it back 20 yards. So four rope climbs within the minute. What are you doing here? Well, you're moving fast when it's your turn to move, and you have that pressure of getting your work done so that your partner can also get their work done. So if me and Taylor were doing this workout, we would probably just say, hey, let's split this. Either I go, you go on the rope climb, like I do when he does one, or maybe I do two in a row, then he does two in a row, then he's the first one on the bench. He knocks out 10, he gets up, I get down, I knock out 10. Then he's the first on the sled. And we keep that rotation. But it's a really cool way to keep the urgency and push the pace in an EMOM setting as a partner workout. It's, it's, it's different, but it, it works out really, really well. Especially if you have two people that can check their egos and be like, hey, dude, like, let's do this. You, you push the sled an extra 20 feet every time and I'll do two more bench press. So you do eight, I'll do 12 because you're, you're better at the sled and I'm better at the bench. So when people approach it with the mindset of, Hey, we just need to get this done. It's pass or fail. It's not for reps. It's not for time. Either you can do it or you can't. So yeah, this is a perfect example of a workout where people will scale in very different ways. They'll say, Hey guys, will maybe for me and you two rope climbs in the minute is enough. And so we'll just do one each and that's cool for other people. It's going to be, Hey, I can either use fifties on the dumbbell bench or I can use seventies and maybe just do five every time. Cool. And I like to give people that freedom to like, Hey, if you want to do the heavier bench and you need to scale the reps, that's fine. But here's the deal. You don't scale it when you have to in the middle of the workout, you start what you finish. So if you know, you can't do 10 every time, that's a hundred bench. Then you need to start out doing seven with the goal of doing seven for all 10 rounds. Cool. All right, Thursday. Pace intervals. So after Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, most people are going to be feeling it pretty much everywhere. There's some, there's some push and pull. There's some hinging from the floor. There's some overhead. There's some single leg work. There's some volume squatting. We've, we've pretty much hit everything. There's some bounding on those days. So they come in Thursday every eight minutes for 32 minutes. 1,200 and 1,000 meters on the bike erg, 600 and 500 meters on the row. And like I do a lot of times on intervals, I'll give them a target time and then maybe I'll give them a cap. So I'll tell people, hey, your target's to get this done in under six minutes with a cap of seven. All right. So yeah, monostructural only. I'll, I'll really, really hammer the point home of first interval, fourth interval. They need to be within 10 seconds. Right. If you're doing this workout and you wanted to score it, you would just say, Taylor, your score is your slowest round of the four. So if you start out too hot and you fall apart late, that's your score is the one that you fell apart on because you came out of the gates too hot. What are your thoughts on like your final interval being your best? And if that's like 20 or 30 seconds, even faster than your first. I'm cool with that for sure. Yeah. If you want to save a little in the tank and, and push it at the end, that's yeah, for sure. That's if you're in that position, that means you pace them properly. Um, for the more competitive people, even on a day like today, I might just say, Hey, like negative splits, five seconds each time. Meaning like, Hey, if you do your first one in five 30, then you got to go five 25, five 20, five 15. And if you really, really know what you're doing pacing wise, you'll be able to do that. If not, the third interval will probably be slower. Do you, for someone at your gym who's really good at pacing, like some of the higher-end athletes that are really good at pacing, if there are any, 
do you ever encourage them to take a little bit of a risk and lie in the bed that they make, so to speak? Um, if they ask for that, I would, sure. But I think a lot of the competitive people, especially ones that do the class programming and then layer in some other programming on top of it, they're, they're coming in on Thursday for exactly moving some blood. Gotcha. Breathing hard. And usually I wouldn't go up to them and give them that challenge unless they came to me and said, hey, listen, like I really haven't trained that much this week. I really want to put myself in the dirt. How should I do it? And I'll just say, you know, come out at an irresponsible pace on the bike and just put up with it after that. So Friday, like Taylor said in the beginning, we're back to lifting. And I really just, it's the same exact complex, only clean instead. So clean pull, hang power clean, front squat, across. So pick one weight, use it for all eight sets, and it's every 90 seconds. Usually on Friday, especially as it gets closer to the open, I love to make Friday as like grassroots classic CrossFit as I can, couplet or a triplet, uh, usually 12 minutes or less, where they get that kind of that open feel, um, and there really isn't anything to slow them down. Not really open season right now, haven't had kettlebells yet. This would be a good combo, a lot of midline demand. So it's ascending rep scheme, and that's another thing that goes along with the way I program one workout a week, every single week we'll have an ascending rep scheme. I think no matter what level you're at, there's something about learning how to navigate a workout where you're doing the majority of the work late versus doing it at the beginning and then doing less and less. So the workout is three, six, nine, 12, 18, 21 toes to bar and dual kettlebell squats on that. And I have a target time here of under 10 minutes. So they know that the stimulus is desired at that. And there'll be a lot of people that want to do the kettlebells RX, the 53s and 35s. For most people, though, even the good athletes, it's still going to be a toes-to-bar workout late. How can you get through the 15, the 18, and the 21? A lot of people can grit through those squats without putting the kettlebells down, but a lot of people will not be able to get through the toes-to-bar. So we're at Saturday already. Love it. Teams in two. Classic chipper. We had... A triplet on Monday, two couplets on Tuesday, a triplet on Wednesday, um, aerobic intervals on Thursday, Friday a couplet. And so we haven't had like a chipper of any kind, and we also haven't been doing any pressing. So if you guys look back on Wednesday, you have some strict pressing. That's the last time we pressed, okay? Nothing on Thursday, nothing on Friday. So we've got a lot of pressing. And then when's the last time that we did any volume hinging? If you go back and you look and you look, it was all the way back on Monday when you did the light power snatches. So on Tuesday, there was squatting and single leg work. On Wednesday, there was sled work. Thursday was all machines. Friday, you did eight clean pulls and eight hang power cleans. That was it. So we need some volume hinging to end the week. So the workout is 140 calorie run. 120 bar facing burpees, so you get a press there. 100 deadlifts, 225, 155. 80 strict handstand push-ups, so you get another body weight press. And then 60 sandbag over the yoke back and forth, so we'll set the yoke at 48 inches. Will will stand on one side of it. I'll stand on the other, and we'll go rep for rep back and forth for 60. 40 muscle up, so you get the pressing out of the dip. So that's one work, one rest also. 
And typically on Saturday, it is pretty long. Nine o'clock class, a lot of times we'll have 30 to 40 people. It's a really fun environment, but I've usually got to either program a chipper style workout like this or like the day Will came, program two or three workouts with a little bit of rest in between so that I can split up the gym into thirds and kind of keep keep 10 to 15 people in this section and then keep 10 to 15 people in this section and then do that again and then people will just rotate through. So I got smoked. Yeah, a lot of uh a lot of posterior with the runner, deadlift in the sandbag. And then like I said, we haven't really had any gymnastics pressing. The only pressing day that we did was the bench. So you got your burpee, strict handstand push up and ring muscle. So Jeremy asked monostructural only every Thursday. Um, not every Thursday, uh, this week. I don't know if you saw, I used Taylor's picture, a very focused Taylor self in 2022. Um, no, 2021 at crucible. Uh, he was rowing in that picture. That workout was, uh, 210 calorie row, 180 calorie bike erg, 150 calorie run for time. So it just depends. Uh, sometimes, I'll do all machines early in the week unless um, I have something that I'm kind of programming for. Like if I have a, a birthday workout, which I've been doing for years, uh, whenever it's their birthday, they tell me what they want to do or what they don't want to do. And they tell me to write a workout. So sometimes I'll have a birthday workout sitting there on Friday and I'll have to program the week around it. Well, what if you want a birthday workout that has all three machines in it? Well, then I'm not going to program machine work on Thursday. I probably won't program it at all. And if anything, maybe I'll do one on Monday or something. So it just kind of depends. But generally, lower impact stuff on Thursday is what you'll get if we're not in a weird, like, kind of like testing week like right now. If you look at the programming for this week so far, it looks a good bit different because we have those tests Monday and Tuesday. Uh, question from my buddy Black Square, Dan Guerrero. Zooming out a bit, do you just keep constantly varying the whole year or do you have blocks where you focus on specific things? I would say the only thing that we focus on like blocks is if we're doing specific lifting. So if we're deadlifting and push pressing two days a week, then if that's the priority, then you're prob probably not going to do another day during the week of a lot of deadlifting. I'm also probably not going to do another day during the week with a ton of push press. So usually the strength work will dictate somewhat of what gets programmed on the conditioning stuff versus the other way around. Um, I don't know if that really answers your question, but I, I, I really like to make the strength the priority so that people can see, um, yeah, the benefits from it. Dan, I wore my black shirt just for you. Uh, Sabir and Kelly, how do you work in time for beginners to learn skills? Example, hands in. Is that something you work in too? Yes. Like, um, last Thursday, if you guys go to look back, um, there was before machine intervals, I think it was like, oh man, like every five minutes for five sets, I believe it was like uh 21 cal ski, 18 cal row, 15 cal bike or something. And there was a 10 to 15 minute handstand or player's choice skill work before that. And that's an opportunity for people to practice things that they want, get the coach to help them, stuff like that. Will Rambler wants you to unmute him. You're not muted, brother. <laughs> We're ignoring you, bro. 
All right, hey, I've got like probably You're five good minutes. Dude, Rambler. You're if good you want to go over to the Dubai Instagram. Five minutes, let's leak some shit in the Middle East, dude. Middle East leak. It's got nothing to do with. Yeah, anyway, it's about the Dubai Fitness Championship. So let's head on over there. Um, oh, yeah, never mind. We'll wait. We'll wait for this announcement. Big fucking announcement coming in a week. Next week on the show about Waterpalooza. You can already say why we why I pull it up. Hmm? You can say it while I pull this up. I don't know. I kind of want the suspense to build, dude. A massive announcement. It's it's gigantic. I have never experienced having anything this big. Typically, I'm on the smaller side. This announcement is huge. Leave your Johnson out of this. Dude. Tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge announcement. You're going to love it. <laughs> that was good, dude. That was better than mine. Holy shit. What are we looking at here? All right, so if you go and you find uh, event one, that was the workout that was originally wall balls, and now it's thruster. That thruster is like a 95-65 load. We found their uh, – is this? This? Nope, seven. That says seven, I think. Where's event one? Is event about... one is the obstacle course. So That's... I just messed you up, Will. I'm sorry. Sorry. That's what yeah. we're looking for, right? We're looking for the obstacle course. Oh, here you go. They're flying so everybody back to San Diego. So all the athletes that flew to Dubai, <laughs> they're actually flying them to the strip, dude, and they're going to have them do the Buds obstacle course, dude. Uh, Saudi Arabia, where we're just kidding, Dubai and whatever, collaborating. JK. Yeah, so this is this is going to be like a, kind of what you would think of as like a military O course, which is pretty cool. Should I pull it up? Um, you guys got that link, didn't you? Yeah. What oh, I got the link, bro. Obstacle course. What? Huh? What did what? you say? I said, what military trains at this obstacle course? The military. There's some pretty cool like elements in this video, though, if this is the exact thing that they're doing. Wait, they're flying them to South Africa? Yep, so you got like, kind of like traversing a wall, kind of like um, what you would see in almost like a Spartan race. There are places that you have to like pull yourself up and over, almost like a pullover movement up on top of platforms. There's a lot of different like rope climbing variations. Is this in Dubai? See some monkey bars, cargo nets. Hey, is that is you is this in Dubai? So UAE know. stands for, bro. Is that what UAE stands for? I thought that's standard. United Arab Emirates. Yeah. So it Under looks like this is anus. well based on the thumbnail. Um, so if the, if this is the exact course, which looks like it could be, it's pretty long, and I wonder if they're doing it like a certain number of times, or they're only doing it once through. Dubai typically has like a really unique endurance workout, like the Burj Khalifa. Um, stair climb the desert run i think one year they did a really long road bike um you would think since this is event one it's probably going to be you know 20 minutes plus yeah i was saying <laughs> the same thing bro why did they paint it red and yellow <laughs> oh my god um they are actually they're practicing hostage situations at elementary schools is what that um, obstacle courses for in case anything happens on a school playground. 
Will, that was event three with the rope climb thruster double under. Sorry, I know I told you one. No, you're good. Did you guys hear this rumor? Is that real? Putin? Sorry, should I hide that? You guys just... All right, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this workout, it was originally wall balls. Now it's been changed to thruster. And that was that came out about a week ago, I guess. And the thruster load is 40 and 30 kg. So about 95, 65. Uh, knowing that, I think when it was released, that it was going to be thruster. I don't know about what Taylor thought, but I kind of thought the only way to keep the rope climbs and the double unders, Relevant. I guess you could call it like equal as far as value. I was thinking 75, 55 is what you can Or even see. 65, 45, dude. 95, so 65. Now that you see this, yeah, there's still going to be a grip component going from the heavy rope to the legless. But since it's only one, I think this is like, this is, this is pretty thruster heavy. Yeah, it's 150 thrusters, dude. That's. That, I mean, maybe the thruster there's... is only 10, though. There's only 10 around. So okay, it's so it's 110.35? Yep. 12-minute cap, too. So, I mean, they're pushing you to, you know, keep faster than Iman pace. I don't know, man. Don't worry, Tim. Our door is always open. No one's ever late. You can always go back and watch. Thanks. Yep, uh, and then come back next week for this huge announcement. Huge. Or is that Iman workout? And I do think it's really cool. I'm curious to know what Taylor thinks about this. We haven't talked about it. I think coming up with a format like this in a major competition where you have a certain amount of work you have to get done in the minute, and then you have like a max rep minute. So it's a way to do intervals with the requirement of, hey, you got to do this amount of work this fast or else you stop. Um, it's pretty cool. We can talk about the rep scheme, though. And what we think is going to be um, difficult for athletes or not, the loading of the front squat is 95 and 65. So that's about 210 and 145. The loading of what? The max front squat load is oh. like 210 and 145. It's 95 kg, 65 kg. Hmm. So essentially, what they'll do is 15 minute alternating EMOM, but the last minute is rest, right? So they'll do four rounds essentially. Because 16th minute is a rest minute. 25 total bar, minute one. 16 and 12 cows on the bike, minute two. And then they'll do max rep front squat. Minute three with a fourth minute of rest. And then their score will be their max reps achieved on the front squat. So, Taylor, 25 total bar. Would you game that? Or would you just, like, would you game that 15-10? Would you do 10-8-7? Like, would you, how would you approach that? And then I'm thinking that the bike is actually very moderate. It's just to juice the legs a little bit before the squats. I, I don't know what to think about this workout because I've heard from some, from some sources that there's going to be an element or a twist to this workout that they don't think anybody would be able to guess until they see it, That's which cool. obviously makes me think really hard. Um, like looking at the workout as written here with nothing crazy, I would for sure break the toes to bar up. It just, you, there's no point to going unbroken. You, you, you got to grow 15 more toes and get all 25 of them on the bar. Oh, was, dude. Knowing that that everything about that, it's genius, dude. Yeah. Prosthetic. You got to go grab a prosthetic. Dude, stop. Just saying. All right. So 
I would break up those bars bar, for maybe sure. The bar spins, something the, like that. Mm, I don't know. He said nobody could guess it. You're not going to guess it first try, bro. Come on. You know who I am. Rambler, <laughs> uh, Taylor's not doing Wadapalooza, but. Uh, I'll do you and Wadapalooza, bro. Yeah, exactly. Come on, on anything Mike. in Miami. Every day. We'll be in All Miami. Long. We'll be there in Miami. So it just depends so, what you mean by doing it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, 25 Toast Bar, for sure, breaking it up. 10, 8, 7, 8, 12, 8, 5. Um, then the bike, I'm thinking like 400 watts is a very mild pace. Getting the 16 calories done in like 45 to 50 seconds. So and what do you then, think? 210 squats in a minute. How many squats? I would say probably for five sets, maybe, oh, man, 13 to 19, 13 was, yeah, to I 18. Mean, I was thinking someone just doing them like in a cadence where they don't ever pause at the top, which is not going to be the case. Is like 15 to 20. So, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. it's going to be – it's going to get nasty for sure. And, I'd be curious to see if some people have a plan break when they get to the bar to keep yeah. their squat cadence high or if they just try to breathe through and kind of slowly squat and breathe the entire time without dropping the bar. Yeah. Um, if you go to workout seven or we can go to six, six is the chipper, like uh, classic Dubai movements with the a jumps and the deck squats. So some loading, the devil press single arm is 70 and a 50. So they've got 60 of those total 30 on the front end, 30 on the back end. Taylor, are you listening? Yes. What's the load on the devil press? Uh, oh, where does Mike just cut out? <laughs> Mike's not working, bro. Convenient. <laughs> hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Hold on. It's your computer mic, though. Yes, the yeah, dumbbell. The, yes, the dumbbell is seventy and fifty. Uh, <laughs> deck squat is fifty-three pounds and thirty-five pounds. So I'm guessing they're doing deck squats with a kettlebell. Does that sound right, Taylor? Dude, I and, hate uh, squats, but yeah. 10-bar muscle-ups in the middle, so yeah. How do you do deck um, squats with a kettlebell? Just hold just it in you the front hold right? it under the chin, rock back. And then no, you pinch it between your forward. butt cheeks. That seems, that seems you stupid. pinch it between your butt cheeks, dude. That's how that, you is that it. stupid? That sounds stupid. Um, it says that it's loaded. So You're that, so dumb, dude. Deck um, squats. Uh. Yeah, And single-arm devil press, though, like having it a 70 and not a 50 for 60 reps, that seems to be like that's the Aggressive. So incredible wait okay so sorry deck squats are like yeah you roll from the floor back up the a jumps are the stupid little squats where you jump on top of a ballistic block sorry i hate them i not everybody hates them i hate them and then we For can a do competition. we can do event seven and then i gotta bounce and i'll listen to you guys in the car 50 cals machine no we're, we're done after you dip out bro i gotta go i gotta go so smtp workout 50 cal machine it would be really cool on that if like you got to if there were two of them, like let's say it's row and ski, and you have to do both of them, but you can pick which one you do at the beginning of the workout, which one you do at the end of the workout. Mm, I don't like that. If it's not just like, hey, we're just not going to tell you which machine it is. Because if not, why leave that detail out? If it's something as simple as just, oh, it's a bike, or oh, it's a, you know, whatever. Maybe that would be cool. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see if anyone has different strategies though or if everyone's like oh okay you guys starting on ski okay cool we'll also, we, do you we have to declare work. before the workout starts or yeah. three two one go you just go to whichever one you want yeah um for the lift what they're going to do is they're going to declare their weights the night before apparently what and they're going to come in and lift kind of like an olympic lifting meet whenever their weight comes up and they have three attempts and their tie break is going to be based on if they like hit all three lifts. So like, let's just say on attempt one, they make it. Okay. That's nine points on attempt two. They make it. Okay. They earn seven points. And on the last attempt, they hit it. So they went three for three. They earned five points and that's 21 total points. But let's just say that me and you both hit 300 pounds on our snatch, Taylor, and 350 on our cleaning jerk, so we tied. But let's say that your second attempt you missed, and I made my second attempt, I would get that tie break, which is a what really, if, really cool tie break, I think. So what if neither of us you missed anything? All your lifts. What? What if neither of us missed? It's a good question. Six for six, and we hit all the same. We hit the same total. Yeah, so maybe at that, in that instance, we actually do tie. Points okay. wise. So, um, yep. Yeah. And then the last one with the farmer's carry and the power clean. Um, 21 farmers carries. Power clean is 80 and 50 kg. And then it's a jerry can carry. How far? It doesn't say distance or load. Mm. Wow. So that's a, I mean, 80 kg that's still that's one of those loads that i'm curious if like if everybody goes really really fast singles because it's so grip intensive or if there's someone out there that just knows they have amazing grip someone like roman just has great grip endurance if he just comes out with a set of 15 touch and go on the 21 and then does singles and you just can't catch him hmm. so i guess watch watch dubai live to find out thanks everybody See you next week. Thanks, Patrick. Love you, Patrick. Who's who? Oh.